Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, November 14th, 2017. With me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. Jeremy, after an extremely slow week last week, the volume of new data releases has picked up exponentially. <laughs> it has indeed, and I must say we've had, I suppose, some of the most important figures out today. So if I kick off with the Eurozone, um, confirmation of what was a decent third quarter for Eurozone growth. Um, today we had the full flash report, which doesn't actually give that much extra information compared to the so-called preliminary flash report, just adds the uh, regional breakdowns coming through. But anyway, that confirmed a 0.6% quarter on quarter or 2.4% annualised quarterly rate of growth. So pretty decent by the Eurozone standards and indeed looks increasingly as if we are getting a self-sustaining recovery coming through there, really in line with what the ECB would like to see. From the investor viewpoint as well, I think it's important that we had pretty good figures coming out of the big four countries. So again, just in terms of quarter on quarter rates, the way Europe Europe typically quotes these numbers, Germany was up a very impressive 0.8%. And that's one of the best rates we've seen there since, well, what, since the great um, financial recession. Um, Italy was up 0.5%, which is pretty good by their standards. France also 0.5%. And Spain, again, weighing in with a decent 0.8%. And a lot of the smaller countries countries also did pretty well too. So in other words, we're talking about an increasingly well-established and indeed broad-based economic recovery across the Eurozone, which should bode well for the likes of the Euro currency you know, going through the rest of this year. However, as we talked about, of course, in the, in the past, it's inflation that really matters. And with that in mind, we'll get the final October inflation data. They're due out Thursday. And it looks as if they're going to show a fall in all three underlying core rates. So as far as the central bank concern, it's still got this ongoing issue of you know, a, a real economy, which, if anything, is outperforming expectations, but an inflation rate, which well, is the underlying inflation rate, which really isn't going anywhere in a hurry. Um, as far as the UK is concerned, well, I suppose it's almost the opposite over here with slowing growth and inflation being well above target. However, we did get today slightly better news on the CPI. Um, the October annual rate was 3%. A little bit less than the market was anticipating and indeed more importantly below what the Bank of England was uh, expecting in its last quarterly inflation report. So that I guess is in line with the idea that any further increase in interest rates in the UK is going to be delivered quite slowly and indeed only in incremental amounts. That is duly weighing upon the pound and that's looking pretty soft as I speak. And I think you know, the key, key indicators look out with regards to sterling over the rest of the week will be what happens to the labour market data on Wednesday. Were we to see further softness in average earnings growth there, that's going to further depress any kind of talk about additional Bank of England tightening and retails on thir retail sales on Thursday, where if we don't see a reasonable number there, again, it's likely to weigh on would be sterling investors. I can't go away without, of course, mentioning Brexit because this is the start of a, a potentially turbulent time as far as Brexit goes. 
The so-called EU withdrawal bill, essentially that the Brexit bill really, that returned to Parliament today. This is where they really start going through the intricacies of, of all the details of this bill. As it currently stands, there's the best part of almost 500 amendments which have been proposed by various opposition um, members and indeed some members of Theresa May's own Conservative bloc. That's going to take an awful lot of dealing with and indeed there's, there's every real possibility that it could lead to the, down, to the downfall, I should say, of the government. Um, obviously, there's still this big divide between the pro-Brexit and anti-Brexit um, voters on both sides of the political spectrum. But it was significant at the weekend we had newspapers reporting that some 40 Conservative um, MPs are now ready to sign a letter of no confidence in the Prime Minister. To put that into context, they need just another eight to sign that letter, and that would trigger a new leadership challenge against Mrs May. So things really are getting very tight in terms of political situation over here and it's going to be something which is going to weigh upon the pound particularly if we see the economic numbers coming in on the soft side. Um, just of note um, one of the proposals from the government is that the EU withdrawal bill will be formally amended to commit Brexit at 11 was well, I should say 11 o'clock in the evening uh, Greenwich Mean Time on Friday the 29th of March 2019. That's already gone down like a lead balloon with a lot of the opposition parties so, so it's going to be a very fractious time in UK Parliament over coming days. Uh, the kickoff of this debate is two days today. There's another six days of debate to take place further in the future, and it could well weigh upon the pound and UK financial markets for quite a while. Uh, Jeremy, this is Mark. I have a question. Uh, yeah. You were talking about uh, UK average er uh, earnings. What are the expectations uh, for uh, both the U UK and what are the latest readings on um, in the Eurozone uh, on this number? Okay, well, so it's worth picking them out because it's uh, until such times we see a big increase in in our earnings, be it UK eurozone. It's you know, it's hard to see underlying inflation moving up towards the two percent mark. But in terms of uh, Wednesday's figures for the UK, uh, the headline earnings data that people look at, it's currently running at an annual rate of two point two percent. That's expected to dip a tick down to two point one percent. And if that's the case, then you know we're that's going to translate into another decline in terms of real earnings growth. And they're already running in negative figures at minus 0.4%. For the Eurozone, uh, the data are a little bit lagging, but that's running similarly around about 2% or so on a year-on-year -year basis, and much akin to the UK, has also been flat for quite a while. So despite the tightening in both the UK and the Eurozone labour markets, wages, simply at so far anyway, aren't reacting. Well, you know, here in the October uh, employment report uh, a couple weeks back, we had a 24 for that similar reading, but that came off of a 2.8 spike uh, in the, it's hard to call that a spike when really at this point uh, the expectations were that we'd be over 3%, but um, it had shown life, and this is a very important figure, and, and this goes on, uh, uh, I want to uh, uh, compare this to today's numbers from the producer price report. We had an unusual, and today is uh, November 14th, Tuesday, and uh, we had unusual um, strength well beyond Econoday expectations throughout the report, and it wasn't on uh, any um, unusual uh, commodities really going up. Vegetables went up a little bit, but the important part is that services went up. We had a out 
uh, an outsized gain for a second month in a row in trade services. And this is kind of a hint that uh, in the underlying economy, underlying demand, we may be seeing uh, some cost pressures. Uh, we certainly did see the um, average hourly earnings post uh, their greatest spike of the expansion uh, in July and September. Uh, but that, had, that didn't uh, extend to October. Um, but then again, we did see uh, third quarter, uh, the employment cost index show quite a lot of pressure. Uh, and so that's the other side of the equation on inflation. That's uh, the pressures that employers are reporting. So there are hints of uh, possible inflation pressures, uh, but still not really enough to get um, the inflate overall inflation moving consistently in an upward direction toward the Fed's uh, 2% guidance. So uh, it's still a little bit unknown. We have on tomorrow, Wednesday, we have the CPI. There again, uh, expectations are very subdued, even though uh, we've just had this uh, PPI report today. Perhaps that points to the risk of a little bit stronger uh, reading on the CPI. Um, but here the expectations are only 0.1 overall and 0.2 for the core. So certainly, and we had a 0.4 reading for the X uh, food and X energy reading in today's producer price report. But um, and that's very strong. So if we have anything like that in tomorrow's CPI, we could have uh, you know an upward adjustment and uh, uh, perhaps uh, rising expectations for Federal Reserve uh, interest rate hikes. Because after all, uh, you know according to the laws of economics, uh, with the de declining uh, available workforce. Uh, employers really, you know, uh, would seem to have to uh, raise rates, uh, raise wages to get the people they want. And of course, uh, 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 the, the uh, labor force itself uh, might start moving around uh, seeking higher paying jobs. Now, that hasn't happened yet, but uh, it certainly would fit with cause and effect or expected cause and effect. And we may be seeing a little bit of it here. I think for investors, it, it, they should be careful to note this because if it does start heating up, all of a sudden, we could have an accelerated uh, uh, expectations for the Fed. So, Mark, can I ask you a quick one? Just mm, sort yeah. of, you know, translate from the wages side of the thing. And the states now, if, if, if I'm right, has got this you know, incredibly flat yield curve, mm -hmm. which if kind of economics theory works, which we all know often doesn't, but would all to almost intimate that perhaps we got some kind of recession coming around the corner. Could so be, would yeah. you go along with that or do you think that's complete tosh? Well, I you know, if it wasn't for how, how high the stock market was right now, that there might be imbalances in the financial system that is leading to um, unusual demand for uh, long-term treasuries. I think uh, that that is a, um, you know, if you think about the Dow, I mean, it's up, I don't know, 20% year to date. And the GDP, uh, and there's still a couple months to go in the year, and GDP is, you know, running maybe in the two and a half percent, perhaps three percent range uh, annualized uh, uh, for the whole year. There seems to be a disconnect, and I think maybe that is spilling over into how we should read uh, long-term interest rates. I think I think that's my hunch. I don't really see a recession here uh, coming unless it could be tied to a sudden uh, rate. Uh, pressure for the Fed to uh, increase rates, which we haven't seen yet, but we could only see if uh, if we do see those wage uh, um, pressures uh, appear. But we also, and, and Jeremy, can you touch on this for me, please? We have um, 
although we have very low interest rates here in the U.S. historically, they are very high globally. Now, how do you, how do you think that that affects uh, uh, European rates, and, and what does that say about the global economy? Well, I think in terms of European rates, they're pretty well doing their own thing now. Um, yeah, certainly, in historically speaking, when the, the Fed's tended to ease or or tighten, then there hasn't been too much of a delay, of a delay before you know, the likes of the central banks of Europe followed suit. You know, a bit you know, in the old days, the Bundesbank or, or currently the likes of the Bank of England. Uh-huh. But I think now there is a clear disconnect simply because there's been a dislocation in the economic cycles, your side of the water and, and ours. Elsewhere, I think it's still touch and go. From the emerging markets, we've been through a period where there's clearly been a lot of investor interest. Now, I think we've seen you know some selling going through of a junk bond market and people starting to get a little bit concerned there. But uh-huh. I do think now we're kind of in an environment globally in which you know different economies can have different uh, different interest rates and different kinds of spreads and perhaps people being used to just because we don't have the global economy doing the same thing on a broad basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's no indications of a recession coming in Europe, right? No, on the contrary, Europe at the moment is saying we're, we're probably what, the best part of a couple of years behind the States, I think, in the uh-huh. economic cycle. But Europe uh-huh. at the moment, in terms of the real economy, is looking uh-huh. the best it's looked for a very long time. And the, and the yield curve over there? Well, the yield curve is still pretty flat, but of course, you know, inflation over here simply isn't an issue. They want inflation and can't get it, and until they really get it, because I think people still don't believe that this ECB near two percent target for inflation is going to be reached anytime soon. So, you know, uh-huh. bonds are still look quite attractive. Well, there's one factor that Europe has it that the U.S. doesn't have, and uh, to to the, nearly the same extent, and that's organized uh, labor. And in Europe, um, while they were well known for, you know, um, uh, getting um, uh, annual pay increases, in fact, that used to be a a significant event, an annual event for countries like Germany and stuff. How how are the unions uh, dealing with wages there? Well, still remarkably calmly, I think you know, the expectation this year in particular was because the German labour market is extremely tight. I mean, you've got record levels of unemployment post-reunification in Germany. It's the best performing economy to all intents and purposes across the Eurozone. So you would have expected the wages market to react. But in practice, wages by all means have crept up a little bit. If it is just that. A little bit. And indeed, we had uh, some German inflation figures out today, which showed a surprisingly large fall in the core index, which really, again, suggests that in terms of actual weight pressures on final product prices in Germany, which mm-hmm. should be leading the way, they're still not really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. How about benefits in Germany and Europe? Are they increasing vacations to compensate for the lack of wage growth? Not really. I think it's still the case that there's this underlying, either it's just a, a reappreciation of where inflation stands today compared to where everyone's used, used to it to be. I mean, Germany inflation's traditionally always been low anyway, but we've been through a period now in which inflation has been historically extremely low and it's stayed low despite all the expectations it should turn up. So at the moment, I think it's still the case that even in tight labour markets, we've got workers just wanting to hang on to their jobs in until mm-hmm. they become that much more confident that you know, inflation will go higher, higher, further out. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys.